This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Mark is indeed questionable. Good morning. Let's all stand together as our online family joins us on the internet, all over the area, and even around the world. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning. Before we go any further, just a quick reminder of how we do our offerings here at Celebration Church. There's envelopes in the seat backs in front of you. You can use those to put any gift that you want and give it to the ushers on the way out of the church this morning. Also, we have online giving opportunities. Uh, you can go to celebrationchurch.tv and give that way. A lot of people have signed up for recurrent giving, and we want to encourage it. If this is your home, Celebration Church is your church, sign up for recurrent giving. That's when you just decide, okay, we're going to be intentional. And remember, the key to successful life is intentionality, all right? Life doesn't happen all by itself. It happens on purpose. Be intentional. And just intentionally say, we're going to give X amount of dollars every week. You sign up and it happens automatically. Or you can use your phone. I use the phone, uh, even this morning, I was just using it just now, to give something special for Missions Sunday. Uh, want to keep that in mind. If you want to give something special for our missions efforts around the world, sharing the love of Christ with people all over the place. Anyway, thank you for your consistent giving and support of this ministry. Uh, we are continuing in the season of Pentecost. This is when we celebrate the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers, the hand of God at work within us to help us to be not just natural, but supernatural. Oftentimes when we think in terms of supernatural, things are ooh, very ethereal and a little spooky, uh, and God can certainly do whatever he wants. <laughs> Some things are pretty impressive, but generally, what we're talking about is God just making better what you do. If you can do something, you can now do it better. It's supernatural because of God's presence in your life. You can sing better than you could normally sing. You can play better than you would normally play. You can work better and more effectively than you normally could. You can live better than what you could do it by yourself. You now, he takes what is natural. He 
infiltrates it with his spirit and makes it supernatural. And we're celebrating that during this season of Pentecost. This morning, I have a very simple message, uh, and I'm going to read from kind of an obscure Old Testament prophet. Uh, His name is Amos. He's a small book in the Old Testament. Uh, We're going to read starting at verse 7 in chapter 7. Amos has had a vision, and he's writing down what he sees. He says, this is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? He said, I see a plumb line. <laughs> and the Lord says, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. What is a plumb line? It is a string with a weight on the end of it and they hold it and it totally centers and by using gravity, they're able to determine what is true center. Uh, Carpenters do it, masons will do it, all kinds of builders and throughout the uh, millennium, people built buildings uh, and their point of reference was using a plumb line. It was important that something would be in plumb because if it wasn't in plumb and out of plumb, you would have problems later. Things would go badly. Uh, Now, I'm not much of a uh, carpenter, to say the least. I can barely hang a roll of toilet paper. But but on occasion, I will buy something and put it together myself, one of those projects, right? And uh, I suppose I could avoid a lot of pain and misery if I would just, you know, read the directions but it seems like such a waste of time. <laughs> Plus, I don't know who writes these things. They're just so hard to follow. Uh, anyway, the way they structure their senses. I think a lot of them actually have written originally in Chinese or something, and somebody ter- translates. It's always kind of odd. So I kind of use the pictures and, and that sort of thing. And uh, inevitably, I think I'm really making great progress until I get toward the very end, and my final step... It doesn't fit. Why? I'm a little out of plumb. I used the wrong part early in the process. And that's really the kicker. Because when you're out of plumb, initially, you can't tell. It doesn't really show up. There's nothing dramatic about it. It seems perfectly fine. Until later, you find out, oh, it's a mess. And those who know construction know that if you get out of plumb, later it can become a big problem. Now you have to go through all kinds of effort, expense, uh, to correct the problem that you didn't catch at the beginning. And sometimes it can be so bad, they literally have to just tear down and start all over again. The analogy here is God's word is our plumb line. The scriptures is what helps us see how to do our lives. So we can build our lives successfully So that at the end and years down the road, we're not suddenly out of plumb and experiencing all kinds of problems. Again, the trick with this thing is in the beginning, you don't really notice it. Uh, James writes about the power of sin and how tricky it can be in, in believers' lives. And he writes in the first chapter of James, verse 15, talking about sin, he says, then... After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, 
and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Okay, we understand it's a process, it starts slow. But look, look at the analogy here. Conception, birth, growing, <laughs> and then eventually dying. It's a long process. It takes a while to get way off. Not literally sometimes as long as your life, but that's the analogy he uses. Like, because it just takes a while to see what happens. If, uh, we, and, and the problem is, of course, we always judge things in the immediate. It seems okay. It seems fine. Uh, I often will talk to someone who's asking for advice, and I say, you know what, the Bible says this. And they respond to me, yeah, but, but I think. And they'll say something, you think, do you now? Good for you. You know, they've got their own, they don't care what the Bible says, because in their mind, they really think, I know the Bible says it, but I think as if this is some great standard of accuracy. Uh, and it is not. Let's ignore thousands of years of successful living and righteous teaching, but because now I have a different idea, I'm going to succeed. And here's the thing. When you start initially, it seems fine. It seems, I know the Bible says this, but I think, oh, I think this. And then uh, it seems fine until further down the road, all of a sudden, it's all out of plumb, and it can be really disastrous in some situations and can take a great deal of effort to correct what is wrong because of what happened way back in the beginning. The word plumb can also be used to describe something as exact. Uh, actually, they still use this word a lot in the South. We're Northerners, so we don't use this much. But in the South, uh, plumb is when you write smack dab in the middle, they'll say something like, ah, ah, plumb fell right in the water right there, you know? Or they think someone's crazy, he's just plumb crazy because he's really crazy, you know what I'm saying? He's dead center crazy, plumb crazy. So they still use the phrase down there. We don't use it much up here. But uh, I want to talk to you about being plumb today and the importance of being plumb. Now, the purpose of the plumb line always, 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 we have to remember, is to help you succeed. God wants to bless your life. Why? Because when you live a successful life, a healthy life, a good life, financially secure life, it brings glory to God, and he loves blessing people. But you have to be plumb. He doesn't do these things just to be mean. Uh, it's not for us to take the plumb line and turn around and condemn people whose lives are not up to plumb. Word of the day, plumb. I don't know what he said, but something about plums. Uh, so the purpose of the plumb, plumb line is to help us build strong and healthy lives. Now, what do we do when we encounter people and others who promote actions or a lifestyle that is not up to plumb? And people often struggle with this, particularly I'll talk to adults, you know, they have children, either teenagers or young adults, that all of a sudden their lives, they're really going off the rails and they begin to panic because of what they're doing, the way they're living, actions they're taking, things they're getting involved in, maybe alternate lifestyles, all kinds of things, and they panic and freak and say, Pastor, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Uh, well, first of all, stay calm, uh, don't panic, 
if we encounter people even in our own family and their lives are not up to plumb, number one, you continue to love them. We're not called to hate people. People who tick us off, people with whom we disagree, even if they attack us, our job is not to attack them. We need to love people. You can disagree with them, and that's fine. Uh, well, they don't think it's fine. <laughs> people hate it when people don't agree with them, and they tend to go a little psycho crazy. But you can generally disagree with people. But you want to keep the lines of communication open with people in your lives, be they your children, your friends, your family, whatever that you got to deal with. Uh, keep the lines of communication open so that when they start reaching the point where things don't fit anymore and it's not working and they start to panic and stuff, you can be there to help them. Help them make the connections. Help them to restructure whatever they got to do to get things back in line so the building doesn't completely collapse. And I promise you, people who do not live according to God's standards, it never works out well. It just doesn't. Now, there's no reason to get mad and crazy about it and get into big arguments. The reality is just give it some time. These people generally are not healthy mentally, physically, all kinds of problems that they have. Uh, and eventually, it all starts to fall apart. Again, it can take a while, as in James' analogy, conception, birth, growing, eventual death, takes a lifetime. Uh, it takes a while for some of these things to kick in. And you want to be able to be there and to speak life into them uh, when they get to points of crisis in their lives. You want to live a plumb life according to God's word so you can be healthy, strong, and not coming part of the seams that your building stands firm. But when these others, they start really having problems, you want to be there to help them. And I hope all of you know that is how we view uh, our ministry here at Celebration Church, especially you young people, all your lives, we have taught you how to do this, how to do this, how to do this. Inevitably, many of you will not do it, and you will get off plumb. And at some point, uh, sitting up on the big wall, uh, like Humpty Dumpty, you're going to fall and break into all kinds of pieces. I want you to know, you can always come home here this place is always open to you. We will use all the king's horsemen and all the king's men to put you back together again. You might look a little cracked when we're done, but we'll still help you. All right, never think, I can't go back there. I, I, I can't go back there. I, I haven't done the right thing. Uh, there's people, all y'all listen to me right now at home, sitting in your underwear, watching me on a screen. And, and you feel bad. Because I, I run into these people. They feel bad. Why don't you come? Oh, we're so guilty because we haven't been there in a while. We don't care. Just come back. We don't sit there and keep score on how often you show up. And it's a good thing. Because <laughs> a lot of people don't show up very often. But we're not. Have we ever looked at someone and said, what are they doing here? They've been here since the beginning of COVID. What? We don't know. Not half our congregation are priesters, for heaven's sakes. You know, show, show, show up at Christmas and Easter, call them priesters. Uh, on Christmas Eve, we don't go, well, where have you been? You know, that kind of stuff. So, so we don't do that to people. It's always open here. And get off yourselves already. Get back to church. 
I know you can watch it online, and God bless it. We're glad we can do this for you. But it's not the same as being here in person because of the connection that you get with people. And plus, if you want God to speak into your life, maybe somebody, this is what we were talking about, the gifts of the Spirit recently. Sometimes God will give a gift of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a, a gift of faith that they can speak into your life. Can't do it. I mean, you're not here. All right? Get here and watch what God can do in your life. But don't feel ashamed. We are not about shaming people who don't live a plum life, shall we say, to keep the analogy going. And a lot of people, they think that because they, they, they're not plum, that we're mad at them. We're, we're not. We're not. But we all, now some churches, because they don't want people to feel bad, get rid of the plum line. Right? We've seen that. They don't preach about anything. Don't want to talk about sin or anger or sexual things. I don't never talk about it because we don't want people to feel bad. Really? I think you're missing the point. You need to have a plumb line to help people to succeed so they can feel good. God can always straighten out the messes, but we got to still hold on to the truth and share the truth. Love people. And, uh, and by the way, you know how you can always check if you're plumb or not, and, and someone, a good carpenter, whatever, again, in theory, <laughs> not being one, but they keep checking. They'll keep checking again, making sure that it's still level. That you'll see the pull out, you know, are we still good? They don't measure just one time. They're measuring it all the time. Best way you can do that is by coming to church, hearing the word of God, reading the Bible. Read the, virtually every time I read the Bible, I go, oops. <laughs> Oops, got to adjust that a little bit. Mark, he's a little out of flow over here. You, know, you would think I would be perfect, but I'm not, apparently. So, but that's the good thing about reading the scriptures. It keeps, keep measuring, keep checking things out. How you doing? How you doing there? Because I want to be plumb, not so I can walk around and be fancy. I want a healthy life. How many want a healthy, blessed life? That would be me, those of you who don't want, I feel bad for you, but... I want a healthy, good life. And you do this. This is why we have the word of God. So God speaks about this line and using the standard. And again, this standard isn't to be used to beat up people who aren't doing it right. Uh, it's to help us grow and to correct when people are asking for help. Um, here's a, a story in Luke, the uh, 10th chapter, starting at verse 25. Jesus is speaking to a bunch of people. And it says, just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. When I says a lawyer, it's not like a lawyer we have today dealing with secular law um, in courts. This is a guy who studied the scriptures. The whole Jewish world was driven by the law of Moses. Uh, it's really complex. If you're having a hard time sleeping tonight, read the book of Deuteronomy. There's a good time. And uh, you'll be asleep in about three minutes. It's, it's, it's really, really detailed. They had laws about everything. Everything you could imagine. The craziest stuff. Stuff I wouldn't even think about. Well, I don't even know what, what the point was. But it was the point was for them to live a plumb life. Right? So they could be as a nation just different than everybody else. Uh, and stand out from all the nations of the world. So that's, the Old Testament was full of it. And they had these guys, in this case he's referred to as a lawyer, who did nothing but study this law so they would know what is or is not plumb. All right? 
So this guy stands up to test Jesus. He's a little arrogant. He's highly educated. And he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, what is written in the the law? What is plumb? Uh, What do you read there? And this guy, being very educated, he gave the exact right answer. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So he quotes this command as it's all about this. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. What he's basically saying is all of this law, all of these regulations really boils down to one thing, love people, love God and love people. We see this uh, in the New Testament brought out a couple of other times. James in his letter writes, second chapter, verse eight, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, then you are doing right. Paul reiterates the same thing in Romans, the 13th chapter, verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So he answers correctly. He nails it. And, uh, and Jesus says, well, do it. Love God and love your neighbor. And the guy, well, okay, well, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who exactly is my neighbor? Right? surely it can't be everybody. And we all have people in our lives that we think should be excluded from this (laughs) because they're just jerks and they're mean. The guy who cuts in front of you and and makes you slam on your brakes so your coffee spills on your lap. You don't feel like blessing that person. You know, these different people give problems and irritate you at work or this, that, or the other. Might be your husband. I don't know what. Just somebody who irritates you. And you think, surely, surely that can't be the guy. Who's my neighbor? Who, who's to say? This guy's kind of just going into this relative mode. All right, come on. Who, who's, who's that? There's people. There's people. You know, the problem with the world is there's people. And Jesus replied and told him a story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of robbers. So it's bad enough to be robbed. They strip him. They beat him. And went away, leaving him half dead. So he took his money, beat the snot out of him, and left him buck naked. (laughs) It's a bad day. (laughs) Take my money, don't strip me, (laughs) for heaven's sakes. (laughs) And he's leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. La-di-la-di-da-di-da. And when he saw the guy, he passed by on the other side. He stayed away from him. Also a Levite, another priestly character in the uh, Bible there. And when he came to the place, saw the guy, and he passed by on the other side, stayed away from him. Now, I've heard this preached many times and have indeed preached it myself about these guys who apparently were just too busy to be bothered to help somebody. And that can be a problem, granted. But I think after studying this week, that's really not accurate. Uh, the reason they stayed away from this guy was because of the plumb line. See, the plumb line, very strict rules. And one of the rules is if you touch a dead person, 
you are now unclean. And they had to do ceremonial washing to get clean again. They were very, really caught up in this stuff. So the guy's laying there. He's all bloodied, buck naked, barely breathing. For all they knew, he was dead. Uh, they might be able to help him if he wasn't dead, but what if they just go over and he turns over and then he dies. Now I'm unclean and I have to go through all this ritual cleaning. So it was easier to stay away from him so that he doesn't get unclean. So it doesn't rub off on him. And a lot of times we can be that way with people. Uh, we get around certain types of people, different kinds of people, and we tend to want to shun them for fear of becoming unclean. We don't want them to affect us. Uh, but it's really the wrong thing to do. But it's not, not plumb. I understand that. But uh, uh, you don't use that to separate yourself from people and be mean towards the people. I've shared many times with you the story of uh, when I was in Texas and we were at a big conference and uh, all these people were there for marriage promotion and this lady comes up to me she's all bubbly blah 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 blah, blah. and uh, she says what do you do I said I'm a pastor she goes oh, I'm a witch I said are you a good witch or a bad witch and uh, she didn't think that was funny but anyway <laughs> later she says would you guys like to have dinner with us tonight and I said sure absolutely so I told my guys hey guys we're having dinner with a witch and they were a little freaked out I said it'll be fine so we get together with the witch on the little witchlets with her and uh uh, we were just nice to them. When we got done, she said, you know, you make me want to become a Christian. You know, why? Because you just love people. You know, uh, we landed someplace, you know, we tra travel all over, not so much anymore because not that I'm getting old. <laughs> I just prefer to spend more time in the church now. But, uh, uh, and we're getting ready to land somewhere and uh, this guy contacts me and said, uh, can, uh, can, can we... Uh, pick you up and, and, and bring you to our house for dinner. And I said, sure. I said, yeah, but, yeah, but we're gay. I said, that's okay. So we went and had dinner with these guys and just being nice to them. We weren't going, oh, you don't, you don't meet the plumb line. Stay away from me. That's not what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to love people. Who knows that that little witch someday might come to Jesus or anybody's life. They'll eventually come to Christ. Love people. Doesn't mean I'm going to be a witch. Doesn't mean I'm going to do some of these other things. It's just because I want to live a plum life. But uh, we don't use this to separate from people. But that's what these guys did. And then Jesus went on in a story. He says, but then a Samaritan came along. Now, he does this intentionally because the Jews didn't like Samaritans. They loved and honored the priests and the Levites. Ooh, these are really nice guys. Uh, but then the Samaritan comes along and they don't like the Samaritans. They're like, Creepy, crawly people. They don't like him. Uh, and uh, Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. And he goes to the guy. And he bandages his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, said, take care of him. When I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. I mean, this guy... He's really being nice. And you can tell people being nice when they get to the money. You know, a lot of people will do anything except give money. I don't give money. My precious, my precious. money. hang on every little dime they have. This guy takes the time, takes him to an inn, pays for his care, take care of him. When I come back, anything more than this, I will 
repay you? And Jesus asks this question to this lawyer of the Old Testament law. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. We want you to succeed in life. We're going to show you God's word where he lays out how we should interact with people and the right things to do and, and the wrong things to avoid and a good reason why you should, even on your own, study and read the Bible because you'll make these little adjustments as you build the house of your life so it'll be strong and healthy and stuff. But never, never think that this makes you so different that you can't help those who are just plumb out of line. And there's a lot of people that are just plumb crazy, man. <laughs> we live in a world of plumb crazy people. And they are into their deal. Whatever it is, whatever lifestyle, whatever sins, whatever things they shouldn't be doing, they do it. You got to respect them. They do it with gusto. <laughs> They're into it. <laughs> the problem is eventually it all comes tumbling down. It always has it always will. And you want to be able to be there to help people when they start to collapse. You say, well, if they do it right, they wouldn't collapse. Yeah, right. But that's not our call. Our call is to be the light of Christ in the world to minister to those who are hurting. Amen. We're going to turn to our time of communion. This is when we reflect on what Jesus did for us when we were at our worst the Bible says he died for us. His body was broken so we could be made whole. His blood was shed so we could experience the forgiveness of sins. And the Bible says whenever we do this, we should pause, reflect, check if we're plumb, if you will. How you doing? How's your week been? Have you been struggling? Are you not doing what you should be doing? Doing things you shouldn't be doing? Whatever. Uh, now's the time to just ask God for forgiveness and strength. Make the adjustments so that you can build a strong, healthy life. So let's do that. We're going to bow our heads uh, and reflect as I pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves to see if we are plumb, lining our lives up with your word. If we have sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed by what we've done, maybe something we left undone. If we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we pray, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. And maybe you're visiting, it's the first time that you've been here or you're watching online and you're thinking, you know, I've, I've never done any of this stuff. I've never asked Christ into my life. You can do that right now. In your own words, ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of all of your sins. And he'll do it. And you can start to take your very first steps of faith this morning with all of us. Amen.